1: Look, guys, welcome back to the Designer Future podcast. I've got Flynn on today. Flynn, I'm not going to do any justice. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself, anyone that hasn't heard of you as of yet.
0: Almost. It's Finn, F I N N. Very
1: close. There we uh, go. We've got the first one out of the way. Obviously, I spelled my name a little bit differently, and the amount of people that, that, But ollie and i'd never kind of go back and like spell it wrong i'm sure but someone sorry to to but someone actually come back to me booked in a call uh called me ollie o-double-l-i-e and then straight after replied saying so sorry i spelled your name wrong that's that just completely goes over my head
0: happens to the best of us so most people know me from youtube i have two channels there one is just my name the other one is called the punk rock nba where between the two of those, I have about 700,000 subscribers. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I also have like a decent sized following on LinkedIn, where I talk about how to grow using YouTube. And before that, my career has been in product design and marketing for probably the last 20 years or so. worked on a bunch of big brands that people might know about, like Swiffer and Febreze and Tide, uh, also like Nike and Nintendo and Red Bull. Uh, I also was a Graphic designer and marketer for Abercrombie and Fitch, and then I worked for a uh, online education company, Silicon Valley startup called Creative Live, for a few years before doing all the stuff I'm doing now. So, my life story in a nutshell.
1: Interesting, interesting. So you've always you've always been like in the creative space per se.
0: Yeah, although uh, I realized a while ago that my brain is definitely not like I definitely don't operate or think like sort of the classic creative person. And I wouldn't necessarily call myself creative in that sense, but I have sort of been in that
1: world. Yes. Mm, interesting. So I know it might be a bit silly saying you're not really creative now, but when did you kind of make the plunge? Because obviously you was involved in those kind of other areas. When did you kind of think, you know what, I want to, I want to start my own. Was it the personal channel that came first or the, the kind of more branded channel?
0: No, it was the branded channel that came first. So in 2017, I started this because I just wanted to understand YouTube as like a, a as a marketing channel. Um, I had done print journalism, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, and then I did some blogging uh, in the 2000s, and then after that, which was you know, I was like fairly successful. I think my most successful blog was getting like a million visitors a month or something. I don't remember. Um, But it was reasonably successful. But it became obvious that blogging was kind of done and YouTube was sort of the next thing. And I said, well, as a marketer, I should understand this. So I figured I should start a channel. And I just sort of had the goal of if I could even just get two or 3,000 subscribers, that would be enough for me to be like, "Okay, I understand this as a channel, as a marketing channel. And it ended up sort of, to my surprise, (laughs) getting much bigger than that. I was like, well, I got a tiger by the tail. I guess I should probably keep hanging on and uh here I am 7 years later got about 100 million views in total um which still is like staggering and amazing to me that that
1: many people all over the world you know have seen my videos is insane interesting interesting so so when did you i know you said you you know if i could get to x amount of subscribers you Kind of see it as being viable but when did yeah. you when did you kind of have that realization that like shit, this, this shit works like w- was it straight away you, i mean the language that you've kind of just given straight away is like different to how some people see youtube and that's why i love speaking yeah. with different people right of like some people go on to youtube of like i want to be a youtuber but you you just said like i see that as a channel guessing to to promote other things right so was that always kind of like the the initial thing of like i'm just going to use this as leverage to push something yeah i just
0: wanted this to be a bullet point on my resume of like okay Mm. i this guy understands youtube basically um and ended up becoming you know much more than that but yeah i like i didn't i didn't set like i don't necessarily have like a desire for attention in the i mean maybe i used to a little bit but at this point i definitely don't have like a desire for attention the way that I think some people do, um, and I don't like have a desire to express myself on YouTube creatively in that way and necessarily. That's just not how I think about it. To me, you know, probably I I think uh, I think a, a lot of what I'm understanding of the way I approach all of this is is probably because I'm autistic that um, my whole life is basically just figuring out what other people want and then doing it right? Which is sort of like, that's what being autistic is, is because we exist in a neurotypical world. If you're autistic, you sort of, because you're outnumbered, you sort of have to do things the way other people want you to do them. Um, Mm. Or I guess maybe you don't have to, but like, it makes, you know, (laughs) it makes life a lot easier if you do. Um, And so it's, it's never been sort of a thing where I'm like, I get to do and say whatever I want, because that's not the world I've ever lived in, right? And also as a marketer, a product designer it's it's the same thing it's like your job is to figure out what people want and then make it make it for them right so like when i was working on stuff like febreze and swiffer like i had never bought or i also worked on like balance which was like fabric softener i was like 25 or something at the time when i started working on that i had never bought fabric softener in my life (laughs) because i was like a 25 year old goblin you know i barely knew what fabric softener was but that doesn't matter it's like you 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 lay out you know, sort of the context for this in terms of business and tell me what we need to design and I'm going to figure out what to do, right? And so that's sort of the same way that I approach YouTube. It's never been like, oh, I have this message that I need to tell the world. And, you know, I want people to know and love me for the following thing. It's just like, well, how big can I make this thing? You know?
1: Mm, That's really interesting. So I'm not saying that's like right or wrong to look at it though. It's just how I see it yeah no and and to be fair like that that's one of the things i love about youtube because there is so many different angles to it is there's so there's so many ways that you can go about it right but Mm -hmm. when you think of youtube as of today then do you like how do you kind of process it to, to like how you first started are you very kind of like analytical are you very like what's trending now. Like it sounds like, yeah, it's not really like this is the video I want to create. It seems that there's more structure to it.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been doing it now for long enough that I have a very good handle on what my audience wants, which took me a long time to figure out. I mean, I sort of, I had a rough sense of that at the beginning, but now I have a very, very, very clear sense of what they want, which is that basically my job is to um make videos about rock music that millennial males liked in high school so if it was popular from say like 1999 to 2007 and they play guitar then i can make a video about it anything outside of that
1: they're probably not going to want and i'm just curious like i know you're big into like personal branding and obviously yeah. you, you very much so got like your niche with it one one thing I always run into, like speaking to YouTubers or like aspiring YouTubers or aspiring content creators, is they get kind of like boxed in by the niche, sure. right? But it's something yep. that it's something that like you said, you've you've put in hours and hours and hours upon, and you've stayed very, very close to that yep. niche. What what what's your thoughts about someone starting now? Is it like Married a niche, or is it like, um, yeah,
0: variety on YouTube is basically cancer, (laughs) uh, it just doesn't work. And but it's not just on YouTube, by the way, it's on every platform. Mm. There's a few people, like outliers, who are such kind of entertaining, charismatic people that they can just do whatever they want and people will watch it. And if you're one of those people, cool, like that's great, and I'm happy for you. But most of us are not that. And so for the vast majority of people, yeah, it's, you know, you figure out what specific niche your audience wants. And, you know, you should always test the limits of that because you don't know where the limits are until you find them. But I, I, I it, it used to frustrate me a lot. Um, and now I've just sort of come to terms with it because, again, it's like, look at TikTok, right? So let's say there's some TikToker that, I don't know, does silly skits about Grand Theft Auto, right? Mm-hmm. And the second they do a video that's even a skit about, say, World of Warcraft, their views are probably going to tank, right? Yeah. Because people, audiences want you to be one specific thing. This is true in basically all forms of, 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 you know, being a creative professional, same with like photography, you know, if you're a landscape photographer, people, you know, are going to hire to do more landscapes, even if there's lots of other things you're able to do. People are cognitive misers, meaning that in any given situation, people want to, generally speaking, want to expend the smallest amount of cognitive energy on understanding, you know, who you are, and, and how to process you, right? Because it's just like, it's exhausting if we all, we, we, we do this with everything, right? It's like, it's, we fit things into existing patterns because it's the only way you can exist in the world, right? If you had to like, uh, uh, imagine you're like a, a, a robot that doesn't understand what anything is and you have to like, you see a, a fucking garbage can and you're like, oh, what's that? It's a cylinder made of metal. I better go research what it is. Like, you, you just wouldn't be able to exist that way. And so we treat people the same way. And so you see something that looks like a garbage can and you're like, oh, that's a garbage can. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. But your brain is just going to fit it into this pattern. We do the same thing with people too, and so a lot of creative professionals get frustrated by this because they're like, "Well, I'm a photographer, but um, I'm also a musician, and uh, you know, I like doing outdoor stuff, and also I'm into woodworking. I don't want to make content about all that stuff." Well, you know, the reality is, it's just it's very, very, very hard to build an audience, you know, that's basically fighting five different battles at once. Like building an audience about one thing is hard enough. Mm. So uh, my advice to everybody is that as much as you don't want to focus, like uh, everybody, including me, you know, we don't like feeling boxed in like that, but the more you focus, the more success you're going to get. And I think the challenge is just managing your own psychology such that you are okay with that just don't fight it it's just you know it's kind of the nature of the world and uh i think just go with it and you'll be happier
1: yeah interesting sorry my camera cut for a second then. no problem yeah i think it's so obvious when we actually kind of like step back and, and kind of look at it right of like you you go to you go to sky sports what, what do you think you're going to see on there Not someone cooking, not someone cooking, right? Go to Right, exactly. Yeah. And but then as as soon as we kind of think about, I think that's the thing, because a lot of us think, oh, to be creative, you kind of need that flexibility. But at the end of the day, if you just focus purely on something, even if it's for six months or a year, and then you realize, you know what, this isn't something I'm going to want to want to do for 10 years, then switch it.
0: Um, But here's the thing. And I've done that exact thing a few times. Okay. You're probably gonna find out that the new thing you switch to in six months, you're gonna get sick of that too. Mm. You're gonna, you're. It, it, it's, it's possible that the grass really is greener on the other side, but yeah. it probably isn't. And so, I believe that for most creative people, um, it's a, it, it, it's, it's better to stick with one thing and focus on it and just sort of learn to come to terms with that rather than pursue this you know in my opinion largely mythical idea that oh if only i worked on this kind of project for this kind of client then i would be happy and everything would be great well mm. it's just going to come with a bunch of other flavors of bullshit that you're going to realize at, at first you're going to be on the honeymoon and it's going to be amazing and great and then six months you're be like oh fuck i hate this well i mean that's it's work you know what i mean it's like there's no world where you know, you get to just do whatever you want and people are going to shower you with money and praise for it. And I don't mean to be like your dad and be like, you know, Ollie, just suck it up, you know, get tough. But I think there is a little bit of that too. It's like, that's just how it is, you know? I mean, and it's true for design too. For example, you know, if the thing that gets you initial traction is like movie posters, well, people are going to want you to do more movie posters. And you might be like, really? I mean, I can do all kinds of other stuff. Like I, you know, I can do annual reports and logos and this, that, like I'm more than just the movie poster guy, but I would say rather than getting frustrated and, and sort of spending your energy thinking about the things you don't have practice gratitude and just be glad that anybody cares what you do at all. Right. Like for me, yeah, mm. there's lots of other things I would, I would like to make videos about, you know, there's lots, I know about a lot of like music. I don't know, like I, my whole career I spent in like marketing and stuff and I would love to help people with that. Um, and that used to really frustrate me, but now I just try to think, well, look, I'm incredibly grateful that, you know, tens of millions of people have watched my videos about music. Like, isn't that kind of selfish and entitled and rude? To be like, yeah, well, thanks for ten million. Well, it's probably more than ten million. It's probably like eighty million people. Thanks to all eighty million people that have watched my videos about music, but fuck you because you know you should be paying attention. It's like, yeah, yeah,
1: gratitude. I think is the way to go. You know, mm. yeah, super interesting. So it's yeah. I mean. It, it, it's always interesting because the the guys that that do just kind of hone in on one thing are the ones that will just grow leap and yep. bounds because uh, as well, like when you're when you're so dialed into one thing, yeah you're yes, you're making videos about that one thing, but you know the the stuff that people don't see is the the research that goes yep. into those topics as well. So subconsciously you're learning and building your knowledge and essentially your skill set around that topic as well. So it's, it's a revolving thing, right? The videos get better. Your knowledge gets better the way that you come across on camera becomes better. So I think, I think as long as you can, even if you, you stick to one thing, but you, you kind of, well, we know with YouTube you got to test anyway, but testing these different formats and kind of concepts inside of that one thing as well.
0: Yeah. There's lots of room for creativity in there. If that's sort of your thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, one thing I'm really interested to to kind of dive a little bit deeper into is kind of the the business side of of YouTube. You said straight away, you know, you you initially see YouTube as like a marketing channel. So, what yeah. what is does what is your business kind of look like today, and how is YouTube so important to it? Well,
0: so I don't. So I initially wanted to learn how to use YouTube with the idea that I would use it you know, to market other things, which I actually don't do for myself. Um, But I do it when I work with other people now, because I understand it so well, how YouTube works so well. And I do, you know, I like have my Patreon and merch and stuff like that. But um, I just sort of treat it purely as its own thing. My business on YouTube is primarily driven by AdSense and brand deals. But when I work with other people, it's about how to use that to build their business, right? So for example, right now I'm working with a guy who has a SaaS product for like brick and mortar retailers. And so his channel is just sort of talking about the business of retail in general. And the idea is if you get lots of viewers who regard you as an authority on the topic of retail, you know, when you plug your SaaS product for them, they're going to take it seriously and they're going to check it out. So uh, anyway, so for my channel, like almost all the money that I make, like probably... Let's see, probably 70% of my income is from AdSense and then maybe 20% or so is from uh, brand deals. And then the other 10% is like Patreon and Twitch and you know other random stuff. Um, I might be off by a little bit there, but the, the main point is that like AdSense for me is the biggest chunk of my revenue, which is not true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they could be, there's sort of this idea among YouTubers, like they roll over and like can't make any money off AdSense, I don't think that's true at all. I think that they um, are just sort of not optimizing that revenue stream as much as they could. But I could be wrong. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have access to all their data. But I'm nobody special, and I know that I make a lot more from AdSense than other channels that are bigger than mine. So I have to think there's something they
1: could be doing differently. Interesting. Two things I picked up on there. One thing about your, your client with the SAS products, is that, is that a personal brand channel or is it branded as the SAS company?
0: It's a personal brand channel, which I think is almost always the way to go. Interesting. Why is that? Uh, Because human beings, and again, this gets back to the autism thing is like, the reason I'm good at content and at marketing is because, you know, from being autistic, my whole life, I've had to like spend a tremendous amount of energy like trying to figure out what other people think, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, that's what you have to do when you're autistic is like, what do the other people in this situation think? And what do they want from me? You can't just like, you can't just intuitively do and say the right thing. You know, that's sort of the nature of it. And uh, anyway, so one of the patterns, so because of that, I've gotten very good at pattern recognition and human behavior. And one of the patterns is that people naturally connect with individuals more than they connect with groups, specifically businesses. And that makes sense because, you know, it is just from like an evolutionary perspective, uh, I can much more easily decide whether I trust you, Ollie, versus all 10 of you and your friends. Like, Mm. right, I just, that's too much. I can't can't make that decision because it's too much information. So I'm going to naturally be afraid of the group But I like you. I think I can trust you, and so I think that same kind of dynamic applies on YouTube as well. Yeah, that's
1: and and we know that
0: companies are always trying to sell us something, right? I mean, obviously, that's the whole reason they exist. And intuitively, we also know that okay, you're the you're the founder of this company, so I kind of know that you're trying to sell me something. But our brain does a little trick where we sort of suspend disbelief on that, right? Of like yeah, I know that this guy's the founder of this company, but it just has his name on the channel. So now my brain is sort of in the mode of trusting you as an individual, even though intellectually, I know that you represent this company.
1: Yeah, actually. And I think as well, just from like a, a personal like observation of, of seeing similar as well, is like when you see an individual talking about something like that, it then kind of makes you want to go and like learn more about them. You probably do yep. a little bit of research versus like if it's a company, it's like, okay cool i already know who this is there's a little bit of yep. not mystery mystery is probably not the best word but um it kind of just gets you thinking more about what's going on outside of this youtube space right? we have an
0: impulse to like learn more about individuals much mm. more than we do with companies
1: absolutely so where you are today with like the the content how does it kind of look like what's an ideal day for you as of today like what what's you wake up no sorry you go to bed in the evening you're like shit that was a that was a fucking good day like what what is what does the ideal day look like for you as of of today
0: uh well again like you know another thing that i'm very good at is routine Mm. um which again i've learned is also an autistic thing like i've eaten the same thing for breakfast every morning for years and i have no interest in eating anything different like i i actually i get a little bit kind of I get a little bit of fight or flight response if my routine gets disrupted, um, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's like an autism thing, I guess. Um, so, but that's that's good from, that that helps me in a lot of ways because I can just sort of be on repeat every day, right? So I usually get up about five, um, depending on when our son decides to wake up, um, then I'll, you know, go play with him for a while, let my wife sleep in for a little bit. That After that, uh, I work out, lift weights for like an hour every day, and then I usually get started around 8.30 or 9 and everything. Um, ideally, you know, I'll have some client calls during the day. I'm also, I have like a, I'm a partner in a company called URM Academy that teaches people how to produce music. So I'll have some calls for that as well. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, I'll find some time to, to write a video for the week. Usually I do that like in the afternoon or the evening. Um, and uh, I do Twitch twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ideal day to me is like, I just want to feel like I left it all on the mat. You know, I want to just feel like I pushed myself, you know, as hard as I possibly could. And I was as productive as I could be during the day. Like I I'm, I'm mad at myself if, if, if I feel like I fucked around and was not as productive as I could have been.
1: Mm, amazing. And so you, you mentioned you, you have a, um, family, you have like kids, how, how do you, how do you try and find the balance with with kind of separating the two uh i don't um (laughs) finally some honesty with it
0: yeah i mean it's it's total (laughs) fiction like i'm sorry but like if you think that you can and i've been around so many like entrepreneurs and successful creators and stuff like that like if you think that you can achieve any of these things and have work-life balance it's a fucking dream Like not going to fucking happen. It's total bullshit. Anybody that says like maybe after you've been doing it for 10 years or something and you know, you've built a team and you have money and resources and stuff then. Yeah, sure. Maybe then it's chill, but it's like the idea that you're going to be able to achieve something like extraordinary without putting in like a lot of really fucking hard work and sacrificing is just that's crazy. It's not going to happen. So yeah, I mean like I'm always you know, if I'm in line at Costco, you know, and it's moving slowly, I'm going to answer a couple emails or texts. I mean, it's just, I'm always, if I'm awake, I'm answering shit. And it's (laughs) like, you know, I, it's, it's hard to be present with my family and also, you know, run the business. It's hard, you know, and I don't know that anybody has a great answer for that. You know, Mm -hmm. I try to, I try to be as present as possible with my family. I also try to you know, make the most of my business. And it's not always, you know, clear what the right answer is in any given situation. You know what I mean? Like, should I tell my wife, sorry, I need to do this for half an hour? Or should I say like, nah, this can
1: wait. Let's go for a walk with our son. Mm. Hard, it comes, it's hard to know. I think it comes back to what you said before, i right? Of just gratitude. Like, yeah, yes, you have to do X, Y, and Z, but you know, if you really wanted to you could take a couple days off and just just literally spend the the days with them so yeah um i love that as well
0: would also come at the cost of like you know business yeah exactly exactly Mm. so it's hard to know what the right answer is and you know i'm i'm the sole provider for our family so you know it it's on me to pay the bills so that you know creates
1: some extra pressure there too interesting cool um you mentioned earlier that AdSense is like the the main kind of revenue driver for it, but obviously talked about clients as well. Yep. When did you, when did you kind of transition into like taking clients on as well as running the channels?
0: Yeah. Um, I started doing that. I think it was 2020. It might've been 2021. I don't remember, you know, those years just all kind of blur together for a lot of people. So I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I started doing it then, um, just sort of, uh, sort of low key and wasn't really like pushing it hard It's just sort of, if something came along, it came along and that's cool. And sort of, and I would, you know, talk to a lot of people informally here and there. And so that's what I was doing for the past couple of years. But I decided at the end of uh 2023 that I really wanted to like push this harder um because like YouTube's not going to last forever and I don't you know I don't want it to last forever. So I said I want sort of my next thing to be moving from being a player to a coach and from talking mm. to a lot of smart people and stuff they were all like you know you should focus I was thinking initially I might just sort of focus on product marketing in general as a consultant because that's sort of what I would say is my main skill set but, I talked to a lot of people and to our conversation before about focus, every single person I talked to was like, no, dude, you got to focus on YouTube. And I was like, really? That's like such a tiny sliver of what I know how to do. And they are like, yes, of course, because who else has done what you have on YouTube? Like, of course you should do that. Like there are other people who have done what I've done on YouTube, but I would say there's probably not too many other people who have done what I've done on YouTube that have also you know, done product design for Swiffer and Febreze and worked at a Silicon Valley startup reporting to the CEO. Probably not too many people that have done that. And so that's sort of where I landed on this, this sort of intersection of like helping companies grow using YouTube. Because, I mean, I think we all know that companies fucking suck (laughs) at YouTube. You know, they're all terrible at it. And so I think there's a really, really, really huge, I know there's a huge opportunity for them to capitalize on that. And so that's really what I want to do. I want someone like notion or Canva or Figma to pay me a bunch of money. Like, you know, Figma, if you're listening, give me $200,000 and I will help you not suck at YouTube. And if your YouTube channel gets 50% better, that will be the best $200,000 you ever fucking spent. I absolutely guarantee it. Because think about that. Like think about what a difference it would make if Figma went from sort of getting these, like, you know i mean they put out videos to get like 2000 views which is just i'm sorry that's fucking embarrassing for a company like them that should never ever 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 happen mm. you know they should be absolutely dominating the conversation around ux design like if it's not them like who who like who else has more permission than figma to just absolutely dominate that conversation right they should be setting the tone for the entire industry everybody should be talking about what figma is doing on youtube right that's what they should be doing they should be getting millions and millions of views a month, which then turns into tens of thousands of more people dropped into their funnel every month. And even for a company like Figma, tens of thousands of new people dropped into the funnel every month. That makes a real difference, right? Not to mention all the brand you're building and the authority you're building, which obviously they already have a ton of authority, but reality is most people still don't know who Figma is. Like Unless you're in tech or mm. in UX design, you, you don't know who Figma is, right? So, And what better place to build a brand like that than YouTube, right? And and all their competitors suck at it. So it's just like, really, to me, what's gonna happen is there's gonna be one company that cracks this code that figures out like how to make, how to like really use YouTube. And everyone's gonna be like, oh shit, we should have done that years ago. Because for whatever reason, companies now think about YouTube the way they thought about Facebook in 2009, you know? Mm. Like, oh yeah, my my daughter's on there, but whatever. Like, we don't need to think about Facebook because we have a blog.
1: <laughs> you know, do you, know do you know. I think um, Canva is very guilty of that as well. Like their YouTube is just terrible, um, and it should be better. It should, it's because other people are getting millions of views talking
0: about Canva about Canva, yeah, right. So <laughs> why are uh, you letting? And and that's awesome. Like they should like I love that, but that just tells me there's this a huge untapped opportunity for the company themselves to be part of this conversation in a way that they aren't. Why would you want to let individuals? dominate the conversation about your own product your
1: own product yeah is there is there any businesses that you feel like is doing youtube well
0: people ask me this question a lot and and to be honest there aren't many um the one i would say that is probably the best is vidiq which makes sense because they make yeah. a, a you know youtube plugin basically that'll tell you lots of analytics about your channel. Like it's a very, just a helpful tool that helps you optimize YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a good job. There are some individuals I think who do really well at it that also represent companies. For example, Chris Doe from the future uh, yeah, does yeah. Right? He's, he's, he's great at YouTube and at LinkedIn, which is rare. There's not too many people that are both uh, good at both. Alex Hormozzi does really well on YouTube and on LinkedIn uh so those are probably like the three examples off the top of my head there's some other like but, d2c smaller d2c companies that do pretty well like there's one called barbell apparel that i think is is pretty good but uh there's not a lot of examples what were you gonna say
1: no i was just gonna say but like even even with like the guys that you mentioned they're all it's all like pretty much like a personal brand still yeah do you know what i mean so i've seen a couple of companies that they've They've got a few different people in there. So you've still, it's not very much so like dependent on that individual, which I also think yep. can be very, very risky. I don't know if I can't actually remember the, the channel name, but there was a, there was a similar kind of like YouTube growth company. And the guy was basically in every single video for mm-hmm. however many years, like two or three years, grew the channel very, very well. And then he left and someone else come in. Right. It was just like, he didn't. What went, happened to the
0: reviews after that?
1: I need to go back because if I'm being completely fucking honest, I stopped, stopped watching. watching. Yeah, <laughs> which is just like is it is interesting to to think yeah. about it because that's
0: a big concern for a lot of companies, which is understandable. Yeah. Uh, however, I would say number one, it's unlikely you're going to be in that situation where you end up having someone like that that's like such a star, you know, yeah. that they carry the whole channel. And if you do, that's kind of a good problem to have. This is the same as like a football team, right? That like you have some star player that kind of carries the whole team. And on the one hand, it's like, well, man, he's really got us by the balls because what if he leaves on the other hand? It's like, yeah, but you got this amazing star player that carries the team. Mm. Right. So, you know, it's, that's a good problem to have in my opinion. Um, and really what you need to do is just, and this is the same, I don't know why people are sort of uniquely nervous about this with YouTube hosts, because it's the same with any other part of the company. What about, what if it's your head of engineering, right? Well, if if your CTO leaves, you got a big fucking problem, right? But we all just sort of accept like, well, you know, yeah, like that's just just how it is. We just need to have a pipeline that if the CTO leaves, then we need to have somebody ready to replace them. And like we need to have a succession plan for this person, right? It's no different with a YouTube host than anyone else. I think about it like, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah, so that show i mean it's not it's kind of washed up now but in its peak in like the 80s 90s 2000s it was like this constant revolving door of people who became stars you know first it was like john belushi and eddie murphy and then they left and they were replaced with the generation with like Will Farrell and Dana Carvey and all that I guess Will Farrell was later, but like Dana Carvey and Mike Myers and all those people, they left, they're replaced with like Will Farrell, Tina Fey, you know? And so the point is like, if you just understand that this is a natural thing, mm. that people are not probably going to stay there forever, that's okay. You just need to have a plan for like managing your talent, just like you do in any other part of your company. I don't really think it's fundamentally any different and again if you end up in a situation where you have like this person who's hosting your youtube channel that people just absolutely love and you know they're responsible for like crazy growth on youtube like awesome i would be
1: thrilled to have that problem yeah C- curious like if just really on the back of that if i if, if i come to you as a client and i'm like this is my business so that we want to get onto youtube would you say like have like a host or would you say like have multiple hosts?
0: Well, it depends on the company. Um, I think there's lots of different ways that you could skin the cat in terms of like who hosts, who writes, who produces. They're all potentially valid. It depends on, it depends on who you have on your team. Now. It depends on how much money you have. There's a million different ways you could do it. Like there's one scenario where you have somebody who can do it all. They can uh, write Host, shoot, and edit, and they're like basically a one-person YouTube channel and they represent the whole company. That's totally viable. There's another way of doing it where you have separate people that write, host, edit, you know, and uh and, and you you chop it up that way. There's no one right. Obviously, like that takes more money though, because now instead of a one person team, you have a five-person team or whatever. Yeah there's a million different ways to structure it. I've been running creative teams for 20 years and you know the answer is just it depends, but there's lots of ways to do it and
1: they're all potentially viable. Interesting. Do you think it the longevity has more impact coming from the founder or CEO?
0: Yeah, for sure. That's the best case scenario without a doubt is um I see you've got expert secrets on your bookshelf there. Um, the best case scenario is you, if you have a CEO or founder who is also really good on camera, that's awesome. Like Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels is fantastic on camera. I would Mm -hmm. say they do a pretty damn good job of YouTube, not like amazing, but, but pretty damn good. And that's because Russell is just like, you can just point him, put, put him in front of a camera and say, go, and he's going to go and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you have a founder that's like good on camera and charismatic, that's ideal for sure. Um, but not everybody has that, and if you don't, that's
1: totally fine too. There's still a way to make it work. Interesting. I'm just like playing scenarios in my mind right now, right? But how would you sell that to, if you as a company, uh, you know, if you as a software company, let's say, and you've suddenly had had this realization of like, we need to be on YouTube. It needs to be kind of like personal. It needs to be. I'm the founder, I'm the CEO, but I've not got the time to do it. Yep. How would you position that for a creative? Like what makes that, what what in your opinion makes that creative for a creator to like come in and fill that role?
0: Meaning like if they're the host or the writer or wh- tell what do you mean?
1: Yeah. Like, like if, do, do you think that's cause you know, everyone, I feel like as of today is like, wants to be a creator to some extent, yeah. you know, like there's the whole thing of like, Oh, I used to want to be a football player. And it's like, right, now right. You, you speak to kids and they're like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber, right? So it's definitely like a viable. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain
0: speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe and I'm the singer in a band called the Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called the Draculas. And we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three.
1: Yeah, oh, I mean I would say it's today, awesome. It's right? like
0: you could start your own YouTube channel, um, but you're not ah. gonna make any money at it, and you're not gonna you're you're not gonna get anywhere probably for a year. Mm. Or you can come here and work for us and we'll give you a nice salary to do our YouTube channel. And so now you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get to have fun and make YouTube videos, but you get a salary. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. To me. I was if I was the, uh, person managing this project is to be, if you have the right people on your team, uh, basically just get the fuck out of their way. I would set, you know, set the objectives with them of like, here's our vision for the channel of like, this is, this is our business goal. We need to be getting this many views per month. And then we need to be driving this many people to our website to book a product demo or whatever the next thing in the funnel is. Mm -hmm. I go, you guys make it happen. If you need something from me, let me know. But like, do we all agree that like, we need to be getting this many views like are we all on board with this yes cool now i'm going to get the fuck out of the way and let you do it um and and give you basically complete freedom to do things the way you see fit the flip side of that is you're also accountable for this result so if you don't hit this goal that we all agreed on then we're going to have to have a conversation but i'm just going to trust that, that you can do this and get the fuck out of your way I and so that. to me that's a pretty cool job as a creative. It's like, all right, yeah, just tell me, tell me where we need to go, and then let me decide how we're gonna get there. Mm. And if you don't get there, well, then maybe we need to find one else. But that's you know, that's how accountability that when you have freedom, you also have
1: accountability. Absolutely. One thing I picked up on there was like the creative freedom and kind of not being yeah, yeah getting out of someone's way what about brand yeah. deals like how do you see brand deals today because you mentioned that's like one of the big kind of revenue drivers so
0: for me you, or like an individual or for a company
1: for you like how do you kind of approach them like what's your thought process around them like Where, I do, have you, a manager, where do you see it moving I have an forward agent. oh sorry. yeah
0: i have an agent and so he says hey draft wants to do an ad on this day for this much money and i say cool send me the script that's it. (laughs) I'm not like it's uh, there's been maybe like two things that I turned down or something like I've been working with him for five years, maybe two things that I turned down. Um, because, um, I, from a very, from the very beginning, I've always sort of set the expectation with my audience, that if you are a creative person of any kind and so like i talk about music and with Mm. with music it's always this conversation about selling out and i've always said from the beginning that that's stupid that if you're a if you're anybody of any kind like if somebody offers you money fucking take it (laughs) because it's it's probably not gonna you know it's probably not gonna last forever so you know uh i don't know there was like uh i think it was think it was andrew reynolds i might be wrong there was some skater in the 2000s that got sponsored by mcdonald's and everyone thought it was corny well it is corny but i guarantee you that mcdonald's paid him 10 times more money than any quote-unquote cool sponsor right Mm. and so to me it's like if if you don't if you think it's uncool for me to make money then you can fuck off you know like what your opinion means nothing to me if 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 you if like if if the way you see the world is that i should remain poor in order to earn your approval then you can fuck off like why would i care what you think
1: yeah yeah it's super interesting and i know a lot of people get that kind of thing straight away of like yeah as soon as i do a brand deal I'm selling out but like you said, like we need to eat. <laughs> that, that's that is essentially a, a massive part of the business itself. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like, no. like
0: obviously, if it was something like really horrible, like I wouldn't, you yeah. know, advertise like some like hate speech thing or something like that. But other than that, I mean it's like I don't know, people get upset at me because I do G- DraftKings ads, you know, for like sports betting. Like, okay. well, listen, like my audience are adults if you want to like i like if you want to gamble on sports go for yeah. it if 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 you think that that's unhealthy then don't do it
1: yeah you like know? when you when you turn on a tv every other advert is an uh, a betting advert anyway
0: yeah and Crazy. and there's and there's uh, at least in the uk not here um but uh you know same with like junk food it's like i don't know i i don't eat junk food but You're an adult. Like, if if you choose, like it's not up to me to like tell my audience what to do and what not to do. You're adults, you can make decisions for yourselves. If McDonald's wants to sponsor me, then I'm gonna do it. And it's up to you to decide whether you want to eat. I mean, you're not a fucking robot. Like, just because I read the ad doesn't mean you have to go do what's in the ad. Mm. Like you're a fucking adult with agency. If you don't think the product is right for you, then don't fucking buy it. It's very simple. I think a lot of these people just wanna you know sit in the corner and you know basically throw rocks at people who are more successful than they are because they're mad you know well i'm not playing that game
1: yeah and that's today's world of the internet as well there'll always be someone telling you not to do something yeah exactly don't let
0: don't (laughs) let anybody hold you back from getting your bag you know because at the end of the day the approval of some fucking loser in you know their bedroom on the other side of the world is not going to pay your rent tomorrow so Absolutely.
1: get the bag. You mentioned kind of like managing teams before. What what, is, what does the team look like today running these two separate kind of entities? Are they, mm-hmm. are they like people across the board or are they separate? So my YouTube channels, I have three editors.
0: I have one channel, one editor for my main channel, one editor for my second channel, which is all Twitch highlights. And then I have a third editor for all my short form stuff, which is mostly repurposed from my uh, long form content. And so these are separate people. And to the point before about sort of getting out of the way, all three of them are awesome at what they do. I give them basically zero direction and they just do great work. And that's because these are all people who um, I, you know, I picked these people because they know me and they know my content. So I don't have to give them direction. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll watch them and be like, oh, I would have done it maybe a little bit differently, but, um, you know, I, even though I don't, well, actually it's because I don't really consider myself a gr- like super creative, even though I was a graphic designer for years and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why I have so much respect for people who are right. Because like it's, they're better at it than I am. Mm-hmm. Why in the fuck would I tell you how to do your job when you're better at it than I am?
1: It's interesting,
0: you know what I mean. And there mm-hmm. are sometimes like there's some sort of base expectations that need to be communicated about like just sort of the big picture objectives of like whatever. Like this is our goal here with this. But you know, within that, it's like I, I like number one, I don't enjoy micromanaging people. Like it's just irritating. Like I don't want to do it. Yeah. Number two, like if you have to micromanage someone, one of two things is wrong. Either you're a bad leader. Or you hired the wrong person, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in which case you're a bad leader too, right? Because if you hired the wrong person, that's your fault, not theirs.
1: Yeah. So at the end of the
0: day, like leadership is a topic I take very seriously. And I think not very many creators really have ever given that topic a lot of thought. And, you know, leading people, leading leadership and management are two different things. Like management is telling people what to do, leadership is helping people live up to their potential. Right. Mm-hmm. So like leadership really is a service role. Management is like telling people what to do. I do not enjoy managing. I prefer to lead people. And if you do a good job of leading people, then you don't need to do very much managing of people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you if you hire someone to do something and then you have to tell them what to do, then you've not, you just, up. You've not just outsourced a job. You've created one for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why would I
0: want to do that? You know, my editors are awesome. Like it's so funny too, because I did the same thing everybody does is I thought it's like, Oh, for years, I was like, I'd really like to get an editor, but there's no way that anybody could do what I do. You know, the, these edits, there's too many like specific things that nobody else, but me could ever understand blah, 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 which, you know, whenever I've heard other people say that sort of thing. And I always kind of laugh and I'm like, no, trust me. There's lots of people who can do it, but of course, I I thought I was special. But I was like, and so this one guy, you know, lots of people hit me up, but one guy eventually hit me up and he said, Hey, I've been watching your videos. Here's what I do. Um, you know, are you looking for an editor? And and just for whatever reason, just the way that he wrote that email to me, and it was just a cold email. To this day, I've never met the guy, and I've probably only talked to him on the phone three times, um, and we've worked together for years. He's done hundreds of videos for me. Um, something about his email was just compelling to me. And uh, so I said, sure, like, let's try one. And lo and behold, his first edit that he did for me was better than the ones I had been doing for years. And I realized how silly it was. I was like, of course, like, I'm not that special. I'm not some great editor. Of course, there's people who can do this as well as I can, if not better. Uh, yeah. which was awesome and then i was like man i should have done this a long time ago but i guess i'm glad i didn't because uh shout out to tim my editor on the main channel he's awesome and maybe if i would have you know if i would have tried to do it sooner maybe i wouldn't have met him and so it's all good but mm. the point is you know that uh if you hire the right people just get out of their way and let them do
1: their job it's such a journey uh, i think because like you said there's there's so many Creating a YouTube video from the outside looking in can look very, very fucking simple, but until you actually sit down and try and do it right, you realize there's so many different components that go into it. And um, I definitely relate when it comes to kind of like the editing side of things I've obviously edited for other channels, edited that for my own channels and had editors doing stuff. And it's like, I remember the one of the first, one of the first times I, um, I created a video for a business uh, and it was this was like a brick and mortar business. I went with my camera, uh, filmed all of the shots and stuff, went back, sat home uh, and literally got like a notification of another client that I was basically like speaking with. And he was like, yes, perfect. Can you come tomorrow? I was like, fuck, I need to edit (laughs) this. I need to edit the video that I went and shot today. So I found an editor sent him all of the D de- like sent him all of the files. Um and then by the time I was shooting the video for the next person the next day fucking message goes here's the video. Watched it while I was there I was like fuck it. I was like why have, why have I not been doing that? Yeah. Why was time? I doing that? Yeah exactly. <laughs> and uh that was kind of like my first realization. I was like well wow, I could just fucking go and film the the, yep. the content and I haven't even got to edit it. And now I can you know now instead of being able to do two videos a week I could do yep seven videos a week. Yep, so Yep. Exactly. Now, of course,
0: obviously I got to pay for that, but that's okay because it frees up my time to do other things.
1: When, when do you, I'm, I'm always trying to look at this through the, through the envisionment that like, this is the first thing that someone, like every episode I do of these, I always like to think about, this is the first thing someone's seen when they uh, explore in this online yeah. space of like making money online. Right. So this is a very very hard question and I doubt you you you've had the answer but I'm interested to know but one if you were starting today what channel would you would you would you start with or stick to and two when would you hire help are you asking
0: me specifically what channel I personally would create or are you speaking like
1: about somebody in general in the masses like as of today like you know making money Building an impact, building an audience. Yeah. Uh, I know you're big on like a bunch of pl- uh, different platforms. Yeah. But, but yeah, if, if I jumped in today, I was like, look, my main goal is to get to, you know, to replace my full time income. Sure. Uh, and I want to kind of leverage social media to do so. Yep. Uh, well, in general, I would say talk
0: about what you know and you're passionate about because there is an audience for literally anything. For example, you can go on YouTube or TikTok right now, and there are people getting, millions and millions of views talking about like pressure washing decks, right? Yeah. Like millions. There's a girl, Um, she, she has a channel called The Girl with the Dogs. All she does is groom dogs and she gets like 5 million views a video. Mm-hmm. And then she has another channel called Girl with the Dogs 2, which is like a longer form version of this. So instead of five minutes of her grooming the dog, it's 20 minutes of grooming the dog. And she gets millions and millions of views on that too. Um, yep. And so, and, and I'm not putting that down. Like, it's awesome. My wife and I love watching it. I don't know why, but it's like, it's really compelling. So in general, I would say focus on what you know, because, you know, to our conversation earlier, if you have like all these years of expertise on something, then you can bring that to the table in a way that nobody else can. And it could be literally anything like you know, small appliance repair, like something that like to you, it probably seems so boring and dumb. And you're like, why would nobody would watch this? That's wrong. There's a way, there's something, there's a way to, to build an audience around literally anything. So that's the number one thing I would say. Number two is like, um, if we're looking at it through the lens of monetization, there is one layer to think about there, which is that audiences monetize differently. Meaning that, Depending on geography and depending on sort of the niche, what specific kind of content you're talking about, you'll, you'll make more or less money off of ads. For example, personal finance as a niche, as far as I'm aware, is one of the highest value topics. So, you know, let's say you have three ideas for a channel. One is about sports. One is about, um, I don't know, uh, antique cars and the other is about personal finance and you're equally passionate about all of them, I would say probably go with the one about personal finance because you'll make more money that way. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't actually think it's a good idea to chase a niche specifically for money because you probably won't do a good job with the content, which means you probably won't make uh, you probably won't make money. So the, the the topic of picking a niche and how you sort of specifically uh f- focus uh within that niche i'd say is probably the single most important decision you'll make which is why i spend a lot of time
1: when i work with clients on it that's the thing i spend the most time
0: on is that exact thing
1: interesting interesting and just as we we come to like a bit of a wrap up here what's your your kind of thoughts when it comes to to youtube whether that's like you personally like how do you see how do you see the next couple of years going on the platform itself and how do you kind of want to transition into that that kind of next stage
0: youtube is not going anywhere um and there's i i could talk about this for a long time but uh there's a guy named warner vogels who uh was i think the cto of uh, aws and he talks about how there's three laws which is the law of the land law of physics and uh i forget what the other one is laws of economics i think Mm-hmm. so basically if you if you think that there's going to be something that's going to come along and replace youtube uh i think you're high reason being is that they're all governed by those same three laws right like what would you different what would you do differently mm. if someone said hey ollie i want you to start a youtube competitor what would you actually do differently from from uh, youtube probably nothing right no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing um and the, the amount, like they've invested tens of billions of dollars in building this, you know, between like all the engineering resources they put against it, all their data centers. And, you know, they like YouTube itself was an acquisition. There's also uh, DeepMind is an acquisition they made that powers the algorithm. DoubleClick is the acquisition they made that sort of became um, AdSense. So there's been tens of billions of dollars invested into this. And it keeps growing and growing and growing every year. I just read that uh, I want to say that there's uh, 1 billion hours of YouTube consumed, or sorry, a billion hours of YouTube consumed every hour on TVs, which was like a big milestone for them, right? So it's not just phones, it's not just computers, like is growing onto other screens as well. YouTube's revenue keeps going up every year. Their profitability, as far as I'm aware, keeps growing up, going up every year. So- I I, it's an amazing business. It's an amazing platform. The only thing I'm worried about is I think it's a really big mistake that they're focusing on shorts as much as they are because shorts are not a good business for anybody. Uh, Any creator that does shorts knows this because you don't make any money off them. The audience you get for those typically only wants more short content. And it's like, cool. So I got a bunch of subscribers that want more shorts, but shorts don't make any money. So That audience is not actually valuable
1: to me, right? That's that's hit home so bad, bro. Because I've got one of my one of my faces channels like I did very very like did well with shorts and exactly what you said like millions of views. So what? (laughs) Fucking no money. And it's like put a long form video out and it just absolutely tanked. And it's like, well, what did what did I what did we expect? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly. The the people who want shorts. They
0: want more shorts. It's to the. It's just going back to our conversation earlier about you know audiences yeah. want one thing. So um, that's my only real concern is like you know that they're obviously chasing TikTok with mm. the shorts thing, but I'm not sure TikTok is a good business. No, right? Like uh. We don't. We don't know that it's actually a profitable company.
1: No, we was actually talking about this the other day because we was we was yeah. Well, we was actually talking about short form, long form, TikTok, YouTube, but it's like. There's there's been hundreds of videos that I've been like impressed with, like creatively or like storytelling and stuff like that. And I was like, But if you ask me for one TikTok video creator like name, would never be exactly exactly as YouTubers. i could probably tell you everyone I'm subscribed to.
0: This is exactly that this is the 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 thing I tell clients all the time when they ask me, like, oh, why should we focus on YouTube instead of TikTok? This is exactly what I tell them. It's like, you know, think about, you know, again, like the person that goes viral for pressure washing, right? Mm. And they get fifty million views on every TikTok. And you ask your, you know, your neighbor, like, oh, you know that guy on TikTok that, you know, that does the pressure washing. You're like, oh yeah, I love those videos. And you're like, cool, what's his name? And they're like, <laughs> uh, I the pressure washing guy, right? So I I don't actually think that short form content, and there, I mean, there obviously are some short form creators that are building a name for themselves, but mm-hmm. I, I I think it's just sort of inherently builds less of a relationship. And also it drives, tra- it's much harder to drive traffic off the platform uh, from TikTok and other short form things than it is with YouTube. Cause you know, with YouTube long form. It's like, click the link in the description. Everyone knows how to do this. Like it works. It's a thing that people do. Right. Mm. And YouTube is very good at it from a product perspective. You know, they add all the, 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 like Instagram will do everything to keep you from driving people off of Instagram. You know, you have that one link in bio that nobody clicks right? And TikTok wants to use TikTok shop and that that's fine. Um, but there's just so many reasons, you know, in my opinion, why like YouTube long form to me is still the absolute gold standard for content and social media. And, you know, every TikToker wants to be a YouTuber for this reason. So yeah, I'm very bullish on the future of YouTube. I just really wish they would chill with uh, the shorts.
1: So so. To to kind of summarize for, for people kind of digesting what you just said there, long form YouTube. Yes, right? Do you agree? <laughs> I I totally fucking agree. Like totally, totally fucking agree. Um I mean, just just a little story on the back of that, right? As as well, as like it kind of ties directly into like what you said of like not making the videos that you want to create and, and you know, all, all of that. One of my best performing channels on my personal channel, which is obviously just like me speaking to a camera majority of the time, was a question a client I had that he asked me, made the video and then was like, "You know what? If you're asking me this, right? other people might be asking it. And it was like the lowest like i I do definitely see myself as a creative person. so like when I make a video, i'm I'm always, trying to stay away from like just me talking to a camera like just naturally. Um, And I don't know if that's a a good thing or a bad thing, but this, this particular, probably both, but this particular video was like in my eyes was like trash, trash. Yeah. It was (laughs) like fucking awful. I'm just literally sitting in front of the camera telling them exactly what I would do for the question he asked. Of course, that's the video that does really, really well because it's what people actually wanted versus what I wanted to create. Um, but that video, I, yeah, I think it's about 12 minutes long. The first 11 minutes is literally me walking through exactly how to solve this particular problem. And the last minute is saying, Hey, hope that video helped. But if you don't want to do this yourself and you want me to come in and do it for you, click the first link in the description and book a call with me. Uh, How did that, how did that do for you in terms of driving traffic? Very, 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 very well. Okay. But also coming from a sales background, we just talked about kind of like long form and and what that does. By the time those prospects jumped on a call with me. They're sold. And that's the power of YouTube, in my opinion, because how the fuck could you do that on TikTok? Like a 50 second tutorial. This is how you do it. So, so short, so snappy, which, which is where. They listen
0: to you talk for 11 minutes. That's like, imagine being on a sales call with somebody
1: and just going on for 11 minutes. That would never happen. Mm. And that's the thing is like, they might have watched you for a of minutes, but they might have watched two, three, four, four. True. Five, yeah, right, right. They could have watched
0: you for three hours.
1: They could have watched three hours and then thought, you know what? Right, right. This, this guy can help me. So, um, which with TikTok, like, they're not going to do that. And even if they right. do, like, I don't think you're... Your ability to build trust and rapport yep. with someone over a TikTok video, no matter how you kind of do it, like you said, you'll always probably be funneling people from here yep. to there to build that trust. Whether that's a th- newsletter. If you just or
0: want even. clout, if you just want attention, and you want to be famous, then make TikToks. Just mm. go do dumb shit on TikTok. That's the you know that's the best place for it. You know, um, but if you want to actually drive
1: business. I think YouTube is the place. Mm. 100%. 100%. That absolute pleasure having you on. I think it's uh, been a really really interesting conversation. Um where can everyone kind of find your stuff? And Uh if you go to finmckenty.com f i n n m c k e n t y uh then that's the best place we just talked about YouTube description. So I'll make sure, uh, you go. your, your, you in there as well. And obviously we initially, uh, connected on LinkedIn as well. So I'll, I'll plug you in there as well. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for watching and listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Peace. Awesome. Uh, just let me know when this is up and
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network.